0: Welcome to the Diversity Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jonathan Ember. We hope that you would just take a moment and listen and receive the word of God. We know that one word from the Lord can change your life. And so we hope that this message will bless you and transform you in Jesus' name. Uh, Those who are watching online, to those who are at our North Campus, um, as Justin said, we are in a sermon series called Simon Says. We're studying the life of Simon Peter in the Gospels. Simon uh, was his birth name. We know him as Peter because Jesus changed his name to Peter. And he has a lot to say in the Gospels. If you read the Gospels, you're going to come across many of his sayings. And those are the sayings that we're studying because like the game, Simon says, there's some things that he says that we should follow. And that's the Simon Says sayings. And then there's other things that he says that he just says. And Simon shouldn't have said that, right? And so we don't want to follow those things. And so we're studying those things. Today's message is one of those things that if we're playing the game and he said it, we should follow it. This is one of the greatest sayings this week and next week's sayings are some of the greatest things he ever spoke. And so let's look at the phrase this week. Simon says, you have the words of eternal life. All right. You have the words of eternal life before we read the text. Let me just give everybody the context of this portion of Scripture. Jesus had just fed the multitudes the day before, the 5,000, with just a few fish and a few loaves. He then goes up to pray on a mountain, sends his disciples away on the boat. And we learned about that experience last week where Jesus comes walking on the water. And Peter comes and meets him out on that water. Well, the next morning they arrive on the other side of the lake. And they're there, and a lot of people had known that they were going to be going over there. And so they come, and they meet Jesus and his disciples on the side of the lake, and they're asking Jesus to do a sign. They're asking Jesus to do a miracle. And what does Jesus do instead? He teaches them a message. He doesn't give them a sign in this moment. He'd done a lot of them up until this point. He doesn't give them a sign. He actually teaches a message. And let me just say this. It was one of the hardest messages he had ever preached. You guys want to know the sermon title of this message in John chapter six, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Y'all, if, if I opened up a sermon, eat my flesh and drink my blood, how many of you guys have been out the church before I even got done with the message? Some of y'all should have raised your hand. I don't know why you did it. So if I ever come up here talking like that, it's crazy, but I ain't Jesus, right? And so this is the same effect on Jesus' disciples, not his 12, but the many others who were following him. You see in the book of Acts, there's over 120 uh, on the day of Pentecost that was gathered. So there was many disciples. And at this point, these people that hear this message, they're like, wait, I just came here for a miracle. I just came here to see him feed more people and multiply fish and love. I, just seen, I came here to like see him do some other sign. I didn't come to hear, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And so this is what John 6, verse 66 starts out saying. We're going to read the next three verses, and we're going to hear what Simon says in this context. Verse 66 says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They didn't want that message. They were like, who's this crazy dude talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood? And so he, they, they, many of them leave. So Jesus said to the 12, he turned to his closest disciples, and he says, do you want to go away as well? I think that's a question that he asks us many times in our life when his message doesn't agree with us. And when we're like, I don't understand what you're doing, is he he's asking this question. He's even asking this today. Are you going to go away as well? And this is what Simon Peter answers in verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's the message title today. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God at this moment, Simon Peter is answering with revelation, with conviction, with even understanding of who Jesus is. And why Simon began to follow him in the first place. I think many times in our walk with Jesus, when we don't understand what he's doing, when we don't understand his teaching, we have to come back to this idea of why did I start following Jesus in the first place? Why have I begun to give everything of my life to him? And we need to be reminded of that so we stay on the path with Jesus and we don't go off path just because he's doing something that we don't agree with. Come on, somebody. And so this is why I want us to just look into this story a little bit deeper and discuss three things this saying reveals about Simon. And hopefully we find ourselves in this story and that we will do what Simon says as well. Here's the first thing that this saying reveals about Simon, that you have the words of eternal life, is that he wasn't going to leave like the others. Simon wasn't going to leave like the others, as you saw in this verse 66 of John 6, after Jesus taught this message, eat my flesh and drink my blood. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. This reveals so much of the heart of people when it comes to Jesus, even in our day and age, because this same thing is happening today. Matter of fact, there is a movement right now called deconstruction. And people are literally kind of just deconstructing their faith. And many of them are abandoning their faith right now all over the body of Christ in America. Right? Because here's the reason why. Many people only want to follow Jesus when he's doing a sign and a wonder and a miracle in their life. But they don't want to wait with him and uh, wade through the waters where there's a lot of things happening where we don't understand what's happening in our life and why is God not showing up when I've asked him to do something and he's trying to teach me a lesson instead a lot of people only want to follow Jesus and the teachings that they agree with in this portion of the scripture you clearly see that Jesus is teaching a message that is extremely hard for them to understand they, they liked the Beatitudes that they heard him preach about a year ago at this point in the scripture. They liked the, the love, the Lord your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your, your neighbor as yourself. But now he gets to a message that they don't understand and they don't like. How often is that the case in modern Christianity, where we want to follow the message of Jesus only when we agree with it? But we say, oh, I don't really care about that. And that's really not for today when he says things that we don't agree with. Come on, am I preaching relevance today in the day and age that we're living in? I was looking on my Twitter feed recently and I saw this picture. I shared it with the staff because I never want this to be us at Diversity Church. But this picture was from Starbucks. (laughs) We give out the $5 gift cards. This picture, do we have it on the screen? Uh, This is what happened in the Starbucks one day. This is the quote of the day at Starbucks. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. They quoted Jesus, but they left the thing anonymous. How many times is this the case? We want... The sayings of Jesus that are awesome, that we agree to, but we don't want to be associated with Jesus when he says some hard things and some hard truths. We just want to leave Jesus anonymous in those scenarios. We don't want to say we're following Jesus and all of his sayings. And so the things that we like about him, great, great. We'll just leave him anonymous, though, because I don't want to be associated with the other things when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other way to get to the Father except for through me. Yeah, oh, wait, that's a little bit too narrow. <laughs> <laughs> and so people don't want to follow Jesus when he's saying hard truths. They just want to leave him anonymous in their life, and they want to act like, you know, they are the, the standard of truth, and they're the judge of all truth. And so when Jesus says things that are hard to understand, it's a little hard and a little hateful. We're, We're all about love. This story reveals that people only want to follow Jesus when they understand what's happening in their life. They, they have full grasp on what's going on and they're not stuck in that limbo that many Christians will be stuck many times in where we're like, God, where are you and what are you doing? In this scenario, his disciples did not understand this teaching. Many of them left because they didn't understand. There's going to be times in our life where this is going to make sense, where this type of thing happens just as it did here in John chapter six. I find this so interesting because when we follow Jesus, he's so different than us, so different than even the modern church, so different than the American church. When I see this story, Jesus uh, would not actually follow the church growth trends, the church planting trends, that if you go to a church planting workshop or if you go to a conference and people are standing there speaking on behalf of Jesus as the Christian church and the Christian leaders. They don't follow Jesus in this example. They do everything but what he did in John 6. We can't talk about hard things. we got to give messages for the lost and things that are really easy for them to understand. we got to make our church really attractive so everybody wants to come and it feels so comfortable. Wait. Jesus doesn't do this here. Jesus is actually giving a hard message that he knows many of those followers were not going to accept. And they were going to reject and leave his church. Leave his ministry that day. Why does Jesus do this? I want everybody to understand. Jesus was after the heart of people, not the crowds of people. The American church, we're after the crowds of people and not the heart of Jesus. This is what the context of this whole portion of scripture is all about. Why does Jesus say, eat my flesh and drink my blood? He didn't want people to be consumers of entertainment, consumers of just the wow factor of Christianity. He wanted people to be consumed and hungry after the heart of God. So what does he do? He speaks directly to our heart. He will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. He will bring things into our life that we don't understand why to get more of our heart. To help us understand that real worship and real following Jesus is that we follow him when he asks us uh, or when we ask him for a miracle. And he just teaches us a lesson instead. God, I need you to do this thing in my life. And he's like, well, I actually want to teach you something, so I'm going to allow this thing to be here. Following Jesus means when he teaches something that we don't agree with, we still follow that because he's Lord and we're not. He's teacher and we're not. Following Jesus is through the seasons where we don't understand what he's doing, but we just declare a simple truth like Peter did in verse 68, Lord, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. This is following Jesus so often. And I remember the very first time I got revelation of this verse in verse 68. It was in a time of my life when I asked the Lord to do a miracle in my wife's womb. She had a tumor the size of a grapefruit that grew even into the size of a cantaloupe by the time she had surgery. We were praying for a miracle. We even prayed that the Lord would save her womb, so that we would still be able to have children. And that happened where she had the surgery and she had to have a partial hysterectomy. They took her uterus so we could no longer have natural children. And we had prayed and we had fasted. This is in the first year of us planting Diversity Church. The same time, literally just like a a month before, a little half a month before, I lost my sister to a drug overdose and she was coming to Diversity Church at that same time had no idea why God would have allowed that happen. Why, when I asked for a sign and a miracle and for God to show up in my wife's womb, why he didn't come through for me in that moment. And then to add insult to injury, at the very same time, there was a local pastor who kept persecuting our church and persecuting me every single step that I took. There was one more thing that he kept doing to bother me, to bother the church, to bother us. I'm like, God, where are you at? What are you doing? I don't understand why my sister died. I don't understand why you didn't do this sign when I asked you for a sign. I don't understand why you couldn't just take this dude out and just leave me the heck alone from this dude and all of his heckling and all of the troubles that he was causing in our life. Have any of y'all been there? What are we going to do then? I was studying the scripture one day and the Holy Spirit just spoke out of what he said through Peter that day. Where else am I going to go, Lord? I don't know why this is happening in my life. I don't know what you're doing through these things. I don't know when you're going to show up and answer me. But all I know is you have the words of eternal life and there is nowhere else for me to go. Sometimes that is our faith. Sometimes that has to be our Christianity. And why? This is something that I just had revelation of in the moment. I didn't follow Jesus to get an easy life. I followed Jesus for eternal life. Where's the foundation of your faith? Church, why did you start following Jesus? Was it for him just to make life easy and great and grand and to give you a new house and a new car? And maybe you were following a preacher from L.A. And he tried to tell you that if you give to his ministry, then the Lord's going to bless you with the Bentley. And so you were like, all right, Bentley sounds good to me. I don't want to work hard for it. But if I give you just $10, maybe you're going to do a miracle, God, in my life. And so I'm going to do this. What is the foundation of your faith? Why did you come to Jesus? Was it for a bed of roses where you felt like, if I finally do this, then that's my ticket to a free, easy life? Or was it like Peter who understood when the Lord called him to leave his nets behind to come and follow him? No, this is about something eternal. This is something bigger than my life. This is the king of glory who's come down. And I owe my life. And everything I have for for him... And he's going to lead me for something that's so greater than a Bentley. Come on, somebody. So much greater treasures in heaven forever. There's going to be times in your life where you don't understand the teaching of the Lord. You don't understand what he's doing. You've asked him for a sign, and he's just giving you a lesson. Instead, we got to come back to what Peter said. We don't need to leave Jesus. No, Jesus is the answer. He has the words of eternal life. So this saying is something so special. Peter's like, I ain't going nowhere else, man. I don't understand what you're talking about, eating flesh and drinking blood. But all I know is you've got something I've never had before. I think that's what we got to come back to in our faith over and over again. He just has something that none of us have had before. Come on. Even through the struggles. Even through the fire, Maria, even through the things where we're like, I thought we were going here and he just does like a a, a U-turn on us and we're like, wait, hold up. We're going over here now. Yeah, that's following Jesus. Here's the second thing this saying reveals about Peter. You have the words of eternal life. He had come to know Jesus' character over time. The reason why he says, where else are we going to go when Jesus asked, are you going to leave us? Are you going to leave me just like these others? The reason why he responds this way, you have the words of eternal life. He come to know it. This is what the verse 69 said. And we have believed and have come to know. Come on, this is a progression of knowledge in these disciples' lives, specifically the 12, and maybe not Judas because he still was wearing a front, still doing his own thing. But think about this. We have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I want you to know when this story takes place in the Gospels. This story takes place about a year and a half, halfway through their earthly time with Jesus and his ministry. They had been journeying with him for a year and a half. I want you to think about what they've seen at this point. They had seen Jesus heal the woman with the issue of blood. They had seen Jesus raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. They had seen him calm the storm in the boat. They saw him feed the 5,000. They saw him walk on water. They, they heard him teach the Sermon on the Mount. They heard him teach the kingdom principles and kingdom parables at this point. There's a year and a half of being with Jesus and seeing him work miracles, signs, wonders, hearing teaching that had ne- they had never heard before, listening and, he- and getting revelation of things that they had never experienced before, and they had just come to know. That this one was the Holy One of God. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior. This is the King of glory. This is the Holy One of God. They had come to know that so that in this moment when Jesus is saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and they don't understand why he's saying that, I think that they could come to this moment of revelation that even though I don't understand this right now, I've known his character over time because I've known his character over time, I might not understand this now, but I know he's good. And whatever he says, even if I don't understand it as good, I know his character is good. I've come to know that over time. And so I know that regardless, of if I don't agree with this or not, it's still good because it's coming from the good one. I believe that Peter also understood that even though he might not have understood this now, that maybe one day. Because there were some things when he first said, okay, I'm giving up my fishing nets. I'm going to follow Jesus. There's some things he didn't know then that he knew a year and a half later. There's going to be some things about this scenario that he was going to understand a year and a half even later. And so he just realized, okay, I can trust God. Even though I don't understand eat my flesh and drink my blood now, I know this is a good God with a good character. And I understand him as one that reveals knowledge even over time. Can I tell somebody we need to get so close to Jesus that we know his character when a saying of his is hard to understand? We can't have dead religion anymore, church. We got to know the Lord of this thing called Christianity. He is good. His mercies endure forever. If you look at the God in the Old Testament, that's what they said over and over again. He's the same God in the New Testament. You might not understand why he did something. You might not even understand why he's doing something. You might not understand what he said and why he said it. You might might have all these questions. We just need to understand that he's good and his mercy endures forever. And the more you know him, the more you see that character over time. You come to know that. And we have to get so close that when these moments come in our life, like Peter had and the rest of these disciples had, we're not leaving him because we don't understand. No, we've come to know him. We've spent time with him. We've journeyed with him. Day in and day out, we've spent these intimate moments with Jesus so that when these other times come, we have a deep foundation of his character in our life. We also need to understand and be okay with understanding or not understanding everything right away. There, there's so much. And we talked about um, progressive sanctification last week. Meaning that we all have room to grow in our walk with the Lord. But can I tell you something too in Christianity? There's progressive revelation. I, I want you to catch this. When you first get saved. Trust me. You don't know everything. Amen. <laughs> there's a junk ton of stuff you don't know right because this thing is a relationship and just like when I first got married I thought I knew my wife and she thought she knew me and then we got into the thing and 12 years later she's like if I only knew <laughs> Nina and Justin if I only knew that you left the cabinet doors open every time you get some cereal and not just the, the cabinet where the cereal is but the cabinet where the bowls are just leave it open because I'm on a mission got to get my cereal. And I don't think about closing the doors in the process. She said, if I, if I would have known that, if I would have known that you are this messy, you, you take your clothes off and just leave them in the middle of the room on the floor. If I only knew that, right? There there is progressive revelation. (laughs) As it is in any relationship, it is in Christianity. You're going to progress in things. I want you to think about this. Can you imagine the first time And it wasn't even at the Last Supper. But can you imagine the first time Peter finally got it? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. It wasn't at the Last Supper. He still didn't get it then. When was the first time Peter had communion? And he goes back a year and a half or plus more into the recesses of the history of him walking with Jesus. And he says, oh eat my flesh and drink my blood. Oh, this is what he meant when he was saying that teaching and I had no clue why he was saying it. Eat my flesh, drink He wanted me to partake of him. He wanted me to understand that life was found in his body and his blood when he hung on that cross and he died for me. He didn't understand that in John chapter 6. It doesn't even say when he finally did understand it. But this is the progressive revelation. There's so much that you don't know about God. And you need to be okay with that. And guess what? Let it provoke you to search more of his heart. When you read something in the Bible you don't understand. Get in there. Study it. If you don't understand it, then ask the pastor. Ask maybe somebody else. I love all sorts of resources that I study. Got questions is one of the resources that I go to. I love Bible thinker and, and, um, and, and, and all sorts of different ones because there's so much I still don't know about Jesus. And I've been studying the word of God literally every single day for 18 plus years. When I first started following Jesus, all I knew is he saved me. All I knew was what that blind man had said when he got his sight in John chapter, I believe it's John chapter 4, 5. When that blind man finally got sight and the Pharisees were asking him, like, who, who is this man who healed you? I don't know who this dude is. All I know is I was blind, but now I see Sometimes that's the only revelation of God you have. I was lost. I was wretched. I was miserable. I was blind. I was naked. I was a sinner. And all of a sudden I came to the one who forgave me of all my sins, who gave me a brand new birth. I am a new creation in Christ. Come on, somebody. That's the only revelation sometimes that we know. I remember in the beginning of my walk, somebody had asked me about the Trinity. Is Jesus God? How many of you guys still have problems with the Trinity even today? You know, Some of y'all ain't being honest in the church, all right? This preacher, after preaching this gospel for 16 years or more, started preaching almost right away, at least on the street, I still have a hard time with the Trinity. I believe in it. It is doctrine. It says it in the scripture. Again, I don't understand it kind of like, you know, they didn't understand, eat my flesh and drink my blood, over time, I've gotten little glimpses of it. Over time, I've seen it a little bit more. You know what I mean? But I still struggle with the depth of it. And there's things about God that we'll never fully understand because he's God. If we could fully understand him, he wouldn't be God. He would just be a figment of our imagination. So next time you're going through something you don't understand, maybe that's an opportunity for you to get to know God like you've never known him before. Am I preaching to anybody today? Let the stuff that you don't understand provoke you to go deeper with Jesus. There should be plenty of stuff. I was thinking about Peter too in the scenario when Jesus dies on the cross. He thinks this is only for the Jews. He, like John and James, were like, "Call fire down from heaven on the mixed race, the 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 Samaritans who were Jews and Gentiles mixed. Call down fire on them. They're not pure Jews. Like this is what they thought. This was only for Israel." And it was 10 years later, y'all. Talk about progressive revelation. He didn't know until 10 years later when the Lord gives him a vision to go to Cornelius. Or to meet with Cornelius, who was a Gentile Roman believer. He had no clue that this thing was really for the Gentiles. Talk about progressive revelation. It took him 10 years. And he still struggled that even with that in years after this scenario. All that I'm trying to say is there's going to be plenty of stuff that we don't understand and we just need to get back to that place where we just say, okay, God, you have the words of eternal life, even though I don't understand this now, I want to, I'm just going to trust in you. And I know that I'm going to come to know, if, if I don't know everything about this in there, I'm going to come to know it a little bit more. He's seen this in his life already. Here's the third thing that this statement you have, the words of eternal life reveals about Simon Peter is that there was nowhere else for him to go. There was nowhere else for him to go. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. At this point in the journey of the disciples with Jesus, it had been just a few, maybe weeks, or maybe even just recently, where John the Baptist had just died. He was beheaded by Herod. I don't have time to get into the whole story, but... I want you to know that Peter, John, Andrew, Peter's brother, they were all disciples of John the Baptist before they were disciples of Jesus. And they saw John the Baptist say, there's one that's coming after me whose shoes, whose sandal, I'm not even worthy to untie. Like this one is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Because John the Baptist was dead, he, Peter... Even if he wanted to, couldn't go back to John the Baptist. Nor would he have wanted to because he had seen that Jesus was greater than John the Baptist. Right? He had seen that over a year and a half. And so even though this was his other teacher that he loved, he saw in Jesus something greater than he had ever seen from any teacher, including the greatest in the kingdom of God up until that point, like Jesus said, was John the Baptist. But Jesus was greater even than him. This is why John the Baptist said, I must decrease and Jesus must increase right and so peter in this moment though he might have been tempted to go to other things because he didn't understand why jesus was tripping saying eat my flesh and drink my blood he couldn't have gone back to john the baptist nor would he have wanted to even though he was a great teacher in his life i not you to think about this would he have gone to the pharisees the other religious leaders at this time no they just taught dead religion they just gave people rules and regulations It was based on legalism. He saw how that made him feel. He was around that teaching. That just killed faith. That just burdened people. He didn't want that after he had gotten teaching from Jesus that said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What kind of religion is this? I thought all the pressure was on me to keep all the commandments, the 600 plus commandments from the law of Moses. I thought that was all on me. I got to do it all. I got to do it all. I got to do it all. And if the 600 weren't enough, the Pharisees added almost another 600 to the list. Peter's like, I ain't going back there. (laughs) I ain't going to that teaching anymore. Like That was just too dogmatic, too legalistic. I found something in Jesus where he says, my yoke is easy, my burden light. Even though I've messed up many times, he's always there to pick me up. He's always there to forgive me. He's always there to tell me you can do it, Simon. He's always there. Was he to to go back to the Pharisees in this moment? Come on, all these other disciples that left, they went somewhere. Did they go to atheism? Come on, let me talk to somebody who's deconstructing their faith for a moment. Where else are you gonna go? Name one other religion. Name one other religious leader that is better than Jesus and I'll follow them. Name one other teaching that is greater. One other teaching that has lasted 2,000 years and is the greatest and strongest and most popular religion in the world. Why? Why? Because this ain't some dead man in the tomb that we could go to his grave and see. No, this is one who paid for your sins. Who rose again three days later. And who's been moving for 2,000 years on this earth. Atheism? Should I go to just believe in there is no... I'm God. I'm the center of the universe. What? He had seen Jesus at this point. He, he walked with Jesus on the water. Atheism? How do I believe there is no God when I was on the waters with Jesus? God, guys, I've been so deep with Jesus and I want to go deeper. Come on, Nina. Tonight we're we're about to go deeper into worship. I'm I'm calling for the church to go a little bit deeper into Jesus because I want to go out there to the deep places on the waters. With Jesus to the point where when I'm wondering why all these things are happening. I can't go to atheism. I can't go to be a Pharisee. I can't go to any other teacher. I've gone too far with the Lord. I've gone too far to turn back. But can I tell you this is going to be the temptation in your life. you're struggling to understand why the Lord's not answering, show me the sign. And you're struggling with the teaching of his that you disagree with. You're gonna be tempted to go to the same dead ends that you used to be on before Jesus came into your life. Could Jesus, or could Peter have said, you know what, I'm just going back to the fishing business. You know, that's what a lot of people do. I've seen ministers who are called by God to preach the gospel, and they forfeit that calling just to go make another dollar. There's some people called into business to make money. But if Jesus calls you to be a missionary... And he tells you to go to the ends of the earth, wherever he tells you to go, and you choose to make money instead? What if Peter turns back and just goes back to his fishing business? The Peter that we know of now, one of the pillars of the early church, all of that would have been forfeited just because he didn't understand what God was doing in this moment, and he chose money instead of his Lord And his savior, Jesus Christ. He could have done that. And we will be tempted. We will be tempted. We will be tempted. To go to things that are just dead ends in our life. That Jesus saved us from. That Jesus rescued us from. That Jesus came and and took us out of that. And even gave us a different direction for our life. We will be tempted to go back to those things. In moments like this. In John 6. In your Christianity. I remember... That I got drunk twice. Two times after I've been saved. Two times I went back to drinking. Because that was something I used to do. And party in high school and things like that. I've gotten drunk two times since I've gotten saved. And the reason why the second time was the last time. Is because I was doing stupid things. That Jesus had saved me from. Thinking that that dead end. Was something. It was going to give me some type of life and some type of pleasure more than what jesus could give me come on am i preaching to anybody i know i'm talking to somebody i felt like this was a prophetic word that jesus was screaming this in my spirit to somebody today that you're trying to go back to something that jesus has clearly saved you from remember what peter says here it is very clear jesus is the holy one of god he's the one who gives eternal life follow him go deeper with him because he's the answer drugs aren't the answer another teacher's not the answer another religion's not the answer some other guru's not the answer making money ain't the answer Jesus is the holy one of God he's the answer he's the ones, the one with eternal life inside of him and words that will lead all of us there the moment you think that something else is the answer you've already gone off path. if that's you come back That's you today. I know we're about to go into an altar time here and at the North Campus.